What's going on, podcast world, podcast family? Spencer Davis here, the host of the Church Voice podcast, and I'm here with my co-host. Tyler Rhodes. What up, y'all? Yeah, and we are back with another one for you guys. Um, So yeah, before we get into it, obviously we are completely sponsored, supported, and recorded at Christian Center Church here in South Bend, Indiana, um, 530 East Ireland Road, if you want to come see us. If not... All right, we are. Um, you can visit us at ChristianCenter.org, and uh, you can find the podcast there. Find sermons, messages, you know, content, events, all that on the on the podcast page. I also want to shout out. All right, our executive producer, hey. <laughs> um, Austin Lance. He works here at the church. He's on our. He's shout a part. Out. Of, yeah, he's a part of our media team. Does a great job with the podcast. Makes us sound very good. He cuts out so much of our idiotic, so much stupid <laughs> stuff. It is incredible. I'm like, man, we sound great. It's true. Yeah, I was talking to him before we came in here and filmed. Yeah. And we were talking about how much he cut out of that last episode. Oh, yeah. And I told him, we're so grateful. Yes. Yeah. Because we like it takes me a second to like get zoned in. So like he'll cut out all my all my just weird stuff that I say. I say you guys don't know it, but I say a lot of weird stuff at the beginning of the podcast, but it's never there. So he does. He does a great job. Great job. Um so how are you doing? I, I can't, I can't, if I feel like I have to ask you how you're doing every episode. So how are you doing, Pastor Child? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I don't know if I could be better. Really? Yeah. Why are you so good? Just, I don't know. Just the grace of God. It's, huh? it's the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm with it. Yeah. I'm with it. Well, I'm just waking up. All right. <laughs> Not literally, talking, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, man, I, I'm, I struggle some mornings. I think I again I I we talk about it all the time, but I come alive about about two o'clock, two really like two to five is my is my best working time. You know, really two to five, even six, you know, even once I get home and stuff. I, I really I really come alive in the in the night. <laughs> I'm an exact opposite. Yeah. The yeah, exact yeah. opposite. Like I it's weird. The earlier I wake up, yeah. which which with a with a young child right now, it's not as early as I used to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and it just is what Excuses. it is. <laughs> yeah, <I'm just> exactly. <laughs> what a lame excuse. Taking care of that daughter. I Why listen, isn't the mother doing it? Yeah. Just kidding. I listen to a lot of ET, you know, Eric Thomas. Yeah. A hip hop preacher. And like this 3 a.m. thing, it, he always. Is that when he gets up? Yes, man. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. And it always is like. I wish I yeah. could do that. I used to get up at four thirty. Yeah, and I was very, very happy with that. And I would, I would wake up at four thirty, firing. Yeah, I mean firing. No, and I and so, and I'm firing until about lunchtime. I'll get a little kick of energy. Yeah, after lunch, but by the time two o'clock hits, which is sad because that's most of our meeting times. Yeah, <laughs> here at the here at the the like the staff meeting and our pastors' yeah. meetings and stuff. Usually they're at two o'clock or later, and mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm 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 coming in for a crash landing. At yeah, that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's just it's it's interesting because I've had some. I mean, I used to get up really early too, and you know, um, and and it's it's, but again, it just takes me a minute to just get rolling. I can't just like wake up and get get right into it, you know. So, um, but yeah, I'm glad you're doing good. I'm doing well. Um, and and I think that's a good segue. 
Uh, Because as we talk about waking up in the morning, spiritual disciplines, everything like that, that kind of leads us into our our topic or our conversation for this week. And um, before we get into the actual topic and conversation, uh, we're going to talk about the the individual that we're talking about. And it's a gentleman by the name of John of the Cross. And I have to mention this because if you're of a of a Catholic persuasion, all right, it would be Saint John of the cross. Okay. We don't, we don't use saints around here, but John of the cross nonetheless. Um, so he lived from 1542 to 1591. All right. So he was ordained as a Carmelite priest in, in 1567 and at, at the age of 25 and he met Teresa of Avila and, and like her, see, I thought that said, and liked her. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he had a thing for Teresa. Oh, all right, Teresa. Um, so, and like her, devoted himself to the rule of the Carmelites. All right, what is that? Can you tell me about that? So, sorry, I don't want to get on a tangent. Is it a tangent? No, it's okay. not a tangent. It's okay. not a tangent. Right. I'll be calm. I'll stay calm. Yes. Yeah, keep it so, brief too, please. What is <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. No, I will. I will. I just give a very short explanation. I yield. The subject so has under, 30 seconds. Under it. So, oh, geez. Really from the 11th. Should we move on? It's okay. I can do this. I can do this. From the 11th century, I would say, till about the 16th or 17th. Yeah. So really up until the Reformation, okay. Martin Luther, all that, 1597, all that. Really up until then, Catholicism was broken up into several branches and there was this there was this monastic sliver or movement yeah within the catholic church that had like its own hierarchy and all these sorts of it's just a, it's a jumbled mess yeah so the rule of the carmelites is is one section of that monastic sliver got it of catholicism okay and and they they broke off from other Carmelites, yeah, and that was who their persecution was from. I know you hadn't gotten to that yet, but it was it was monks persecuting other monks because oh. they were living based off of a different rule of life. Wow, mm-hmm. I did not realize mm-hmm. that. I'm glad we touched yeah. on that. Yeah. So, um, getting back to John of the Cross, so he his writings were uh, wait no, so he was a mystic, a poet, and a theologian and a true leader in reforming the church of that period because of his attempts to reform monastic religion. He faced great persecution. So exactly exactly what you just said. I yep. literally just repeated it. Um, <laughs> but his writings were outstanding in underscoring the cost of discipleship, the path of union with God, rigorous discipline, abandonment, uh, purification and abandonment is not is not the way we think about it today. Right. It's not like it's not an emotional turmoil. It's right. it's abandonment of of really the world. Mm-hmm. Um, purification uniquely and strongly. Um, John underlines uh, the great gospel paradox. Right, the cross leads to resurrection, agony to ecstasy, um, darkness to light, abandonment to possession. Um, denial of self to union with God. If you want to save your life, you must lose it. So these were the things that he taught, um, spoke about, wrote about. Um, that was kind of his focus. So um, our fact for today is that John John of the Cross is law is lauded as one of the greatest one of the greatest Spanish poets. His works 
the spiritual canticle? Canticle, yeah. Canticle, okay. And the dark night of the soul are considered to be masterpieces. I know you've talked a lot about the dark night of the soul. That's I like have. one of your, that's like one of your go-to. I like that it? one. Yeah. I like yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. Cause he, he writes a poem and all of his, all of his poems are metaphors for his theology. Mm. And usually when he would write straight theology, yeah, uh, it was, it was usually an explanation of the poem. Got you. So that was really the way he communicated, you know, what he believed about God. Okay. Yeah, I, I go to Dark Night of the Soul quite often. A lot of people do. I don't agree with everything in it, just yeah. like the material we're going to get to right. today. Right. But he talks about how at some point in everybody's life, God withdraws from them, and that they they enter into this this crucible, this mm. this crisis mm. where they feel like God is is distant from them. And John would say he is. Yeah, he is distant in that season because he's working something in you yeah. in that dark night of the soul. Yeah, and what's interesting is that John had a lot of dark nights in the soul. Yeah, because of being in prison right. so often. Right, and there were times where he felt like God abandoned him in that moment, but then once he recovered that union with God through the dark night of the soul. Yeah, that that union with God was so much sweeter and so much intimate because of the difficult and dark path that it took to get there. Gotcha. So there's just, there's just, you, I, I just, I identify with that. Oh yeah. At times. Oh yeah. And I, I think and I th a lot of other people do as well. I think we need to, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, cause a lot of us that, that, that can be a turning point that can be, a you know, seen as a negative. But when you think about, you know, the necessity of those dark nights of the soul, um, it changes your perspective. Yep, and and it and it really grows your relationship. Yep. So I, I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh yeah. So it's it when we say God withdraws or like a quote unquote abandons, mm -hmm. it, it's this. It's not this forsakenness where God is not there at all and He's not watching over us, but our sense or awareness of what He's doing is gone. Yeah. And we've all been in situations where we're like, God, I don't know what you're doing. Exactly. And Jesus said in the garden, Father, I, I, if you would allow this cup to pass for me, I would appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Yeah. Pray and it three times. There you go. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's John of the cross, right? That's, that's who we're, um, that's who we're, we're going to kind of break apart one portion of, of a piece of writing that that he did, and he wrote this to a group of of monastics or a group of of it was um, nuns nuns you know who were who were seeking um, to seeking what they called perfection, and obviously we know that there's I mean there's no full perfection, but perfection to them was was a certain level of of spiritual discipline, a certain level of of connection with God. And so he wrote this and, and I'm going to pass it to you, yeah, Pastor yeah. Tyler, um, because he, but I, I thought it was interesting that he wrote this after he had escaped um, from prison in Toledo. So he wrote this to a group of, uh, of uh, God, I keep wanting to say monks. They're nuns. Okay. Group right. of nuns. They're woman monks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lady monks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So go ahead and, and tell us what this, and this is called the, uh, not the precautions, but it's called precautions by by Saint John of the Cross and you can find this online if you want to read the whole thing listen i highly recommend 
reading the whole thing. Um, and I won't go into all of why I recommend that right now, but, but I highly recommend you guys checking out this, this piece of literature, um, because it's, it's very, it's very deep. And remember the group that he's writing to, he's writing to a group of nuns. Um, but I think there's something beneficial for all of us in each and every one of these precautions. So mm -hmm. go ahead and, yeah. and, uh, tell us about this, this piece of literature and then let's uh, let's get into it. Agreed. Just to piggyback on very quickly what you oh, just said, good. our our society has to recapture the idea of engaging things resources critically, because not every matter there is not a single individual that we have talked about so far that at some point along the way we don't disagree with them, even disagree sharply with some of the things that they said and did, but that that doesn't necessarily matter. Because we're all, I guarantee if you and I got down to brass tacks of everything that we believed, we would disagree at some point. 100%. We would disagree. <laughs> and and I'm sure we've done it before. I yeah, can't yeah, think yeah. of a scenario, yeah, not, but I'm, not really, I'm sure but that that's yeah. happened. But so there are things John of the Cross says and does that we do not agree with. Matter of fact, that we think is dangerous. And he would say the same about us. But engaging these sources critically helps us think, helps us learn, helps us grow. Because there are things that he says um, that that is so beneficial to us in the way we live life and the way we worship God. If we would just if we just stop tossing everything out, yeah. just because we agree disagree with one thing, yeah, we would we'd be so much the wiser for it. Yeah, and and so it's not that the things that even even just taking this article by by itself or this writing by itself, it's not that all of this is is able to be fully applied to normal to normal life as we know it but and, and and maybe we could just get into it for a second because we were talking before we started to record is that my problem that i had with this writing is that it it convicted me deeply i mean like deeply and as i was reading these precautions I thought about every excuse that I and the and the church at large makes to not follow these sorts of of monastic notes and and um, disciplines um, because because we make the excuse of oh it's not you know things are different or things are this and that but but at the same time we make excuses and we're and we're not we're not seeing the same amount of progress that maybe these guys were seeing by, by doing the things that they were doing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I just like, I think we throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes. Agreed. Agreed. And so I just, I'm looking at this like, okay, maybe I can't do it to the level that they did it, but how can I apply this incrementally and, and, you know, even systematically to my life in order for me to increase my devotion Yep. You know, cause like monasticism was about like strict devotion. That's, that's what, that's what it is. Monks and it, I mean, it's about devotion. So even when we read this reading, yes, the crowd is to a group of nuns, like he's writing to a group of nuns. And then what they did is they, they multiplied this writing and people spread it around and they passed, they made copies and they sent it, you know, all over the place and people read it but it made progress in people's life and devotion and in their relationship with God. So I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't, I maybe can't do all of these things. And maybe I don't agree with all these things to the extent that he said them, but there's something there. Yes, There's something there. And what can I, what can I apply to my life? Exactly. What can I make note of? And, and so 
we're going to talk about we're going to talk about really just a small like a very small subsection of this writing and it's actually at the very end. And so if you want to just kind of read that and and kind of, you know, lead us into that conversation cuz we've been talking about this a lot. I mean, we talked about this even a couple months ago and have talked about it back and forth mm-hmm. um, a few times. And so I think it's just a very good, and I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of listeners who are in that, in the same place or maybe can relate to this, especially in the church today where, where a lot of things are about feeling and, and everything like that. There's, I, I know I can relate. I know you can relate. And so let's, let's kind of talk about absolutely this section of this writing of, yep. of precautions yep. by, by John yep. of the cross. So quickly, the writing as a whole yes. is that John of the cross is telling these nuns that there are three enemies of their soul, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Those are three very biblical terms. Yes. And I think, I think a lot of our listeners are going to know offhand what those, what those terms are. So we won't, we won't spend a lot of time in in definitions, but he says that there are specific precautions or warnings that are necessary to help these nuns defeat each of these three enemies. Yeah, and so that's what that's what the writing is about is defeating those three enemies. It's only two pages front and back. Yeah, it's and short. this is the entire thing. Yeah, this is not this is not an edited version. Nothing. It's just translated into English, yeah. and you can find it online completely for free. And like Spencer said, I would encourage you to read it. But what we're doing is we're reading the last precaution that that John writes to these nuns in guarding, defending, weakening, defeating the self yeah. or the flesh. Yeah. Because the, there's the third three, enemy. There's three he gives three precautions for each for each enemy. Yes. Yeah. So the three enemies have each have three precautions in this writing. So this is the third one. Yes. Yep. And we're going to read the whole thing, it's just a couple of sentences, and then and we'll dive into it. The third precaution is that the interior person should never set eyes on the pleasant feelings found in spiritual exercises. Becoming attached to them and carrying out these practices only for the sake of this satisfaction. Nor should such a person run from the bitterness that may be found in them, but rather seek the arduous and distasteful and embrace it. By this practice, sensuality is held in check. Without this practice, you will never lose self-love or gain the love of God. (laughs) There's a lot there in just a couple sentences. So here's, I guess briefly, here's what he's saying. He talks about uh, he calls it spiritual exercises, um, the practices of God, those kind of things. Oftentimes in our day, we call it spiritual disciplines. We call it devotional time. Mm-hmm. We call it my Jesus time. Yeah, just that the daily time that we set aside to be with Him, to to read, to pray, to study. You know, whatever that looks like for a person. And what he says is, is that we should avoid. As as like totally, we should totally avoid yeah. doing these practices for the sake of the pleasure that we get from doing them. That we that we should totally avoid the feeling that we make ourselves feel better before God by doing these practices. He says, if that happens, you'll never receive the true love of God. You'll just receive self love. Right that you will just end up feeling better about yourself and loving yourself more. Oh, I did my religious duty for the day. 
I'm good. And it's interesting because you and I had had this discussion, like you said earlier, a few months ago, and we've been continuing to have it. Yeah. And it's weird because we never quite came to a conclusion as to what was going on. But you and I, the phrase we used was pride in spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And so I want you to share it because you were the origination of that conversation. Yeah. You brought it up. Yeah. And then, and we've been talking about it ever since. And I think that that this warning that John gives really, I think, brings our conversation almost to a close. Yeah. And I, and I know we're going to get there eventually, but I want you to share why you brought that up, mm-hmm. that pride in spiritual disciplines, what that means and then we can we can go from there and share about how to defeat that pride yeah. or the word John uses pleasure yeah. from those spiritual exercises. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, the, I love the word that he used, not because I love the word, but like it, it just shifted my perspective a little bit because he uses sensuality. You know, releasing yourself from that sensuality or the feeling. You know, hey, I this this feel good feeling of of spiritual disciplines or exercises and and I I again this is something that I've dealt with for 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 some time now and and I and I always and I remember I even shared it in a devotion I think a couple months ago in our staff devotions just about even the the Pharisees and how they would say oh I'm doing this and so I must be connected to God and and it, and it made them feel good you know, but I've I've wrestled with this for some time, just about, and I and I never I could never understand why, like, because I I loved I I love to read my Bible I I love I love praying I love you know all that, but I would I would do so and and for whatever reason I would get I truth be told I would get puffed up, and I think not intentionally because I know I'm connecting, you know, my, my attempt is to connect with God, but somehow my, my flesh was involved. And so I would, there was this, uh, and it sounds so bad, but, but it becomes this touting of spiritual disciplines. It becomes this touting of the time that you're spending and, and, um, and really what happens is, is that is that it becomes this thing to where you're doing it just to either share it or talk about it and you look for opportunities yep. to discuss it and you're like and I remember you saying one time cuz I'm like okay how do how do I know when I'm when I'm here and he's like and you said I know when I am when I am talking about it and I'm looking for opportunities to talk about the things that I'm doing in my private time mm-hmm. and and I get the, I get the same way and it's not that it's um, uh, it's not a bad thing to talk about how God is speaking to you or your prayer time or whatever, or to encourage people in that way. But it's why it, it, it's exactly why what you're saying. it's why. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this thing that we're, we're, we're toting around. Um, and so that's where I was and, and that's, and then I'm still, I'm still working through that, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like, and truth be told, it, you, we talked about the dark night of the soul. I feel, I feel that I'm in a, I feel even personally that I'm in a in a dark night of the soul as I'm working through this this sensuality and spiritual disciplines. And that sounds so bad, but like I feel this certain level of of disconnect. Not that God is not with me, not that he's not speaking to me, not that not that I'm not being fruitful or being being led in certain situations, but I do feel like 
there's this disconnect because I have to come to the revelation of, of leaving myself behind, especially in reference to spiritual disciplines and, and having the proper motivation behind doing these things. And so that's, that's kind of my personal, my yeah. personal journey. And I'm still there mm-hmm. and I'm still there. And I don't like admitting these things on the podcast, but it's the truth. You know, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still in what feels like a dark night of the soul. And I'm just like, God, help me. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, just continue to help me. Like, I pray like kind of what David wrote in the Psalms, like, like, Lord, I, I pray that your spirit hasn't departed from me. Like, I pray that you haven't left me. And, and so, but I know a big part of that is because this is something that I have to grab a hold of is, is not is not making my devotional time or my time with Jesus or whatever you want to call it, not making it my feel good time because that's not what it is and not making it, oh, I do this so that I can feel good throughout the day or that I can be good to other people or that I, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. And so, um, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm, I'm working through, similar things because I talked a, a bit about my devotional life on on Tuesday uh in our in our staff devotions in the morning and so I wrestled and that's the thing God gives us space to wrestle wrestle with what the scripture calls the old self or what John and scripture calls the flesh that he gives us space to wrestle in that moment not that he won't give us victory over it he will but he gives us that space to wrestle so I wrestled okay God how do I share about this without being prideful? Mm. How do I not? Because I, I feel called and prompted to share about it. So I, I know that there's something you want me to say, but how do I do it? Yeah. And he and he really comforted me in saying that he wanted me to share about the blessedness of my devotional life and the brokenness of my devotional life. That it's both of those things together that, that will serve as a testimony yeah. of what this staff devotion is supposed to be. And that to me is the thing that I we don't have any problem. I don't have any problem sharing the blessedness about my devotional 100%. life. Oh man, God spoke to me today. It sure was good. I want you to hear it. Only if you want to, though. I yeah. mean, it's, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have to hear me right, now, right. Know? But I'm going to tell uh, you anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, we're hoping to God that the other person says, "Yeah, I want to yeah, hear." It. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's not that we shouldn't share those things. We mm-hmm. absolutely should when we feel prompted by the Spirit to do so, because it is encouraging. But it's why we're doing it. Am I doing it to encourage you or to uplift you? Or whatever the reason the spirit may have me doing it, or am I doing it to uplift me? Right. To to puff myself up. Right. And to to give myself more pleasure, more of that sensuality. Mm-hmm. From now, I'm not just I'm not just doing the devotions because of the pleasure, the good feelings I get from it. Now that's why I'm sharing it. Yeah. And I I think we're such in this space because in this and I know. We never do series with this with these podcasts, but that goes back to the last full episode that we had yeah. on on Lady Maxwell by saying that we can't live in a place of guilt, this guilt conscious life, but live in a place where we embrace the gracious invitation God has given us to be with Him. And I think because we live so guilt conscious, yeah, that even so, we live to feel that pleasure mm. because so often we don't, yeah. And because I don't feel that, because I truly don't understand God's love for me, because I think it is performance-based right. or whatever it is, I can't embrace his love. 
But what I love is, is John is saying, to a degree, that's the way you should feel. Mm-hmm. To a degree, it is distasteful. Yeah. Because every time I read my Bible, it serves as a mirror to my own self. Right. And there's things I see I like, and there's things I see I do not like. And I know that God sees it the same way. However, he is committed because he loves me and loves you and loves everybody listening. He's committed to help us change and to transform us, even from those those sins, those mistakes, those weights that entangle us. So, so John is saying, embrace, embrace the distastefulness yeah. of being with God, because I, there's a part of it that's uncomfortable, and there's a part of it that's difficult, and there's a part that's not pleasurable. But embrace that, because in that, you're encountering his love, because he still invites you into that process anyway. Yeah. And that's just a, a beautiful point that he makes. Yeah. To where we don't have to, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but we don't have to try to pleasure ourselves through using our devotions. Hey. But we allow the good pleasure of God, yep. his love, embrace us and wrap us in his arms in that moment and say, yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, there's sin in your life, yeah. but I'm not going to forsake you for it. I'm going to embrace you even tighter and and bring you into my holiness, into my righteousness yeah. through Jesus, and I'm going to keep changing you. Right. And you know what? I want to say something because it's a way to think about it. If your devotions do nothing but make you feel good, there there might be a little bit of a problem. Like if 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 that's all it cuz here's the thing. It, <laughs> like you said, it's a look into ourselves because there's days where where God will encourage you, but then there's days when God will convict you. And so if if you only feel good, when you read whether whether you're not getting anything at all, but you just feel good that you did it, eh, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. whatever you're getting from it, um, there should be a balance between between comfort and conviction. There should be a balance between encouragement and 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 a certain level of discouragement because it's like, ah, oh, God, I I I need to be at that next level. Okay, God, there, I'm not getting this principle, this precept. And, and I, and I want to, and I, and I feel agony because of it. Um, so, so our devotion shouldn't just be pleasure, whether, whether it's the reason why we're doing it, because here's the thing, even (laughs) it's not sustainable, just like, just like guilt versus grace. We talked about last week. If you didn't check last week's podcast, listen to it so that you know what we're talking about. But like, just like we talked about guilt, guilt versus grace, a guilt mentality is not sustainable. A, a, a guilt, a guilty heart going into devotion, spiritual discipline, connecting with God, whatever it is, it's not a sustainable model mm-hmm. and you're not going to be consistent. And just like, just with that, because here's the thing, if you're going into your devotional life just to feel good, you're going in with a guilty mentality Yes, because you're trying to make yourself feel better for, for what, you know what I'm saying? Because, because you feel that way. And so just like guilt versus grace, what we talked about last week, um, this this idea of of sensuality and spiritual discipline, it's not a sustainable model, you know. And so for me, I'm hearing okay, guilt versus grace. Now this week we're talking about sustainability. Oh, we're well, not sustainability, but we're talking about we're talking about you know sensuality and spiritual disciplines. Um, I'm like okay, I'm I'm in both places, and I've and I've been experiencing such inconsistency in, in, in my, in my spiritual life, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to take a mental note of both of these so that I can gain some. So I'm just, I'm speaking real personally, yes, you know, and I like to be open and honest and vulnerable because we have to talk about these things. 
And so I'm like, okay, I cannot wake up tomorrow morning and, and, and check that box just so that I feel better. I have to wake up tomorrow morning just to, just to wake up and do it and, and, and let, and let God, cause I love what he says. He says, without this practice, you will never lose self-love and gain the love of God. You'll never, you'll never lose self-love or gain the love of God. And so, um, again, I know we're, we're, we're rolling, <laughs> rolling around this thing and going in circles, but, but yeah, that's, that self-love is something, something so serious. It is. And here's where I think we can take the next step yeah. because there, I guarantee there's someone listening who's thinking, okay, is John saying, and are you two saying that I should never feel joyous or comforted or, or good when I, when I practice that time with Jesus? That is absolutely not what we're saying. No, We're not saying that at all. And I think John makes that clear. He says, the third precaution is that the interior person should never set eyes on the pleasant feelings found in spiritual exercises or become attached to them. Mm. So he's saying it's not that there's not a sense of pleasure in your devotions. There is. I'm being, I'm with Jesus, mm-hmm. and we're with him all the time. Yeah. And that, that devotional space, I, I like to call it the secret place or the daily office or those things. Because that's just the time I've set aside where I'm doing nothing else but being with him. But we should be with him all the time. And I, and I do think our perspective of that should shift, but I'm not, I'm not going to get caught in Different that. episode. Different episode, <laughs> exactly. But he's saying, he's saying there's, it's not that there's not a sense of pleasure in being with Jesus. Of course there is. Yeah. But that's not, that's not what my vision should be on. Mm-hmm. I should be getting that sense of God's good pleasure over my life because he loves me because my vision is Jesus. Right. It's not the pleasurous feelings I get from reading my Bible, but it's that I'm encountering him. I'm, I'm being in his presence and I'm being moved by the Holy Spirit to change. So of course there is joy. And of course, there is that conviction or that distaste, yeah. that uncomfortability mm-hmm. in in being with Jesus, in having that time set aside. But like you said earlier, it's a balance. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very careful to live in that tension of joy and distaste because we live all the time in the space between comfort and conviction. Yeah, and And it's like you were talking about earlier. You were deeply convicted over reading this. I was deeply convicted over reading this, and that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yep. And so our mind about some of these things has to begin to change so that we can expend that, we can not expend, experience that true joy that comes from God, that comes from the Holy Spirit, because we're gaining the love of God, because our vision for uh, having this devotional time and doing these practices and setting aside that secret place to be with Him, it's all about Him. Yeah. And it's about me being like him, being right. with him, being like him, and doing what he did. That that's what we're centering our life around, and that's where the joy should come from. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's that initial motivation. If if that initial motivation is just me feeling good, I've got to check that. Yes. And I've got to, I've got to lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, look, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, forgive me for 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 going in with 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 a self mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so um, that's just to make it practical. Yep. Like, just think about think about your mindset going in to your devotions. You know, 
Think about your mindset before you before you have that time. Think about your mindset when you first wake up. Are you saying are you saying okay, um, man, I, I don't feel great this morning. I want to feel better. Let me go read my Bible. That I, really brings up something. I want to let you finish, but that brings up something we talked about on Tuesday. That's actually a bigger religious movement that I think is very very prevalent in our day and age, but I want you to finish that. No, that's, that's really it. Like, like, what are you thinking in reference to your spiritual exercise? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking in reference to your relationship with God mm -hmm. as a whole? Yes. What are you thinking? Like, what is that? What is your first thought? Cause a lot, and again, because I've been living here back and forth, you know, whatever, I, I, I know, I know the feeling and I know the feeling of, oh man, I'm, I, I, I'm, I wake up, and I feel the weight of the day before the day has ever begun. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little agitated. I got to get my coffee in. Da, 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 da. Oh, and I got to read my word because I want to feel better. That's not the right. I, I'm sorry, but that's not the right motivation. Mm -mm. And that's not the right way to to approach the mm -hmm. the, the exercise, right. you know, because it's it's just again, it's not sustainable and it's not it's. It's not a growth. You 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 won't you won't grow in that place, and and you can do that for years, and never really never really get anywhere with God. And I think that's what because here's the thing, and and just to go back to the very beginning, John of the Cross wrote this because these nuns wanted to get somewhere with God and get there quickly. Like it says it in the bio. If you look this up, you know, as as the the publisher writes about this. He wrote this to a group of people who were wanting to get deep with God and get there quickly. So he's like, look, let me get as extreme as I can get. This is what you need to do. And this is one of the last things he said. So it's like when we talk about depth, when we talk about, you know, getting getting somewhere with God, here's the thing. You can go into your you can practice this. You can you can practice sensuality and spiritual disciplines for years and God will let you do that. But you will never really grow. You'll never really grow and you'll, you'll, but you'll have some pseudo relationship with God, something that you can talk about with other people and say, yeah, God told me this, God told me that, but, but God is not really dealing with you. And, and, um, there's a, there's a certain level of deception of the flesh there. Yes. Cause again, sorry. And I'm, I'm going to shut up so you can go, but like, but, but this is the precaution. This is the last precaution of the flesh. And, and the flesh is the one, like the Bible says that the heart is the most deceitful of all things. The most deceitful of all things is your heart. So that's your flesh. And so we're, we're talking about, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we're good with God if all we're doing for years and years and years is saying, I, I, you know, is this, this pleasure mentality. And that's not the way to go. That's not the way to go. Yep. You open the door for this. So I'm going to step on in. Go ahead. Go ahead. There is a religious movement that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. And I, I really pray that this isn't the case for much longer. I pray that more and more people will begin talking about this. The person that I heard talk about this was a pastor in Texas named Matt Chandler. It's a religious movement, and I call it a religious movement for a reason, and I'll get there in a second. It's called Moral Therapeutic Deism. Moral Therapeutic Deism, which essentially says this, that a belief in God is used to gain a sense of morality and to gain a sense of therapy. Yep. And it's it's interesting because the uh, the famed atheistic psychologist Sigmund Freud, who said a lot of weird stuff, 
one of the things he said that even though much of modern psychology is still based off of him for whatever reason, anyway, it's an aside, <laughs> it's just an aside. He said that Christianity, believing in God, is, well, he really said this about all religions, is nothing but a crutch. Mm. It's just a way for a person to help bear the burdens of life, to make sense of morality, and to make sense of suffering. And sadly, for so much of us, even for me at times, he was right. Yep. He was right. Because so often we use God, like you just said, to get that sense of pleasure. That my whole relationship with Jesus is built on me getting a better self-image. And it's not that that's not a piece of the puzzle because our identity is in Christ. We are seated with him in, in heavenly places. We are his child. We are forgiven. Like all of these things are true. I think that that happens subconsciously as you truly grow in God. Right. Like I think that that's not it. it, it really getting to that depth with the, with the Lord. I, and this is something that's coming to me. Those kinds of things is something that just happens. And it's not really a thought. You gain confidence, you gain, you gain that joy, you gain all of the fruit of the spirit, but you're not, you're not thinking about it and, and doing it in order to get those things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. It, and it's, and I call this a religious movement because I think churches all over the world are packed with people uh, who were there to gain that pleasure, to gain that more positive self-image. And I don't, I really, I, I hope people hear my heart. I do not say that to try to be condemning because I, there is too often that I fall in to that kind of scenario and that kind of motivation. But what we have to do is we have to, we have this relationship because of the goodness of God in, in Christ Jesus, that that is, that's why we have this. That's why I seek to be with him, to become like him and to do what he did. It's all because of Jesus, and it's the grace and truth of God that have been poured out in him. John John 1.14 says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That that's, why, that's why we have this relationship. That's why we believe in him. It's not about us first and foremost. It's about him. And again, being with him, becoming like him, and do what he did. I, I, to me, I can't think of three better goals for us to center our life around for us to center our relationship with Jesus around, for us to center our, our other relationships around, for us to center that secret place, that being with him, that, that set-aside time. It's important that we center everything around those three goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And yeah. when we do that, those motivations will be pure. Yeah. And we will have that sense of joy, the joy of the Lord from spending that time with him from being in church, from being in Christian community, from reading his word, we will have that sense of joy, but it will be because of him and what he's doing in our hearts right. and what we see him doing in the world mm -hmm. instead of it being my self-image first and foremost. Yeah. And that's why we think these warnings from John, and I know this episode hasn't been the easiest to listen to. It hasn't been the easiest for us to talk about. No. I mean, really. John of the Cross talked about that distastefulness. I have it right now. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I, you know, I even struggle to put some of that into words. Um, and so I, I just want to make sure we say we're saying these things from love because oh, of yeah. love and saying this is our personal experience. Hey, I'm like, there, this is man. not us 
having it figured out and saying, you guys need to have it figured out like we do. That is absolutely not the case, that we're all on that journey in trying to center our life around these three goals. But we have to beware of that moral therapeutic deism, that, that Jesus is only in my life to give me a sense of what's right and wrong and to give me a sense of a way to bear the difficulties of suffering and death and a lot of the the unexplainable questions of being a human and living in this temporary world. We have to be aware of that because it's not like those things aren't pieces of the puzzle. Again, yeah. they are, but that's not the main reason. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And that's, you know, and that's our goal. You know, that's our goal. And that's why we, I love, I love these honest and vulnerable conversations, you know, and, and really I, I need that I, as a verbal processor. I gotta, I gotta keep it real, you know? And so, um, that's what we want to do and, and have these conversations so that we can be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he did. Um, but honestly, we're, we're going to bring this in for a landing because we can keep going all day long. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, just just evaluate, take a mental note um, and uh, and really, really evaluate those motivations and and those those uh, sensualities, if you will, and take a note from this precaution from John of the Cross. Um, but yeah, we are, we're, we're going to get out of here. And, uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram at church voice podcast, all one word. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to do a review next week. All right. We'll, uh, we'll shout out one of our reviews, but listen, we just thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys and we will see you next week. See you then. Peace Peace out y'all. Peace.